welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over 10 years of experience. And this is Trisha, and I just came out of a week of appreciation. Appreciation? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, that's when you bask in the sun. Oh, well, that sounds nice. Yeah. I could be pronouncing it wrong. It could be appreciation. Hmm. But it's spelt like appreciation. All right. And, you know, I was on a couple lakes for a while. Yeah, it looked like you were having a lot of fun. I was. We did have some mishaps on the houseboat, um, several mishaps. But we learned some teamwork building skills, and, you know, we're still here. Well, that's the important thing. Yeah. Family time, making memories. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, like Courtney said, welcome to Addicted to Murder, Randall Woodfield Part 3, final part. Yes. And I just, I really am enjoying Randy Woodfield. He's just so, I don't want to say refreshing, but he's entertaining. He is entertaining. That's as far true. as a, you know, a terrible piece of shit person goes, his life prior to him killing and some of the other things that happened outside of his killing are just crazy. He's got lots of stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, do you want to go? Oh, actually, no, it's. It's question time, and then Courtney will recap what we're talking about. So before we get into um, more about Randy, um, my question this week is, since we were both theater people in high school particularly. Theater, not feeder. Theater. Okay. Yes. That's what what I thought you said, but I misheard you. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. So what is your favorite play? That I've been in or that I've seen? Mm, Either. Well, so I grew up in, um, like, in high school, I was it was in the 90s, and that was when Rent was really big. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not a play. It's a musical. But it counts. I sort of probably went to three or four of them when they came to Portland area, and I, th- I think they came to Eugene. I don't remember. And I have the whole soundtrack memorized and everything like that, and that, that's got to be my favorite. Mm, nice. That's a good one. It is. And I don't know that like the like the new wave of people know it. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even know if it's on Broadway anymore. I think maybe they've done like revivals. And there was just that movie. I know, but the movie wasn't that great. Well, there was a movie that came out about the person who oh, wrote Oh, the one Rent. that like died like opening night. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm. What about you? I'd say my favorite is um, it's an old one. Uh, but it's The Importance of Being Earnest. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, I've seen a few different productions of it. Um, like I saw it down in Ashland at the Shakespeare Festival. Um, and I've seen it like a few other places. And it's just timeless. And I think it's hilarious. You know, I I know I've seen it. but mm-hmm. And I remember Earnest is like the name. But it's also like Earnest, mm-hmm. being earnest. So it's kind of like a play on words. Um But I'd have to have, like, a refresher on the plot. Right. Um, Essentially, people who are not earnest pretend to be earnest. And there's some love triangles involved and shenanigans based on kind of all these lies of people pretending to be earnest when they're not. Gotcha. I'll have to revisit that one if Mm -hmm. I ever see, you know, it come about. Well, good question, Courtney. Thank you. Um, so I guess now, why don't you give us a recap on good old Randy? Yeah, so where we left off with Randy Woodfield, um, you know, last time we learned about him 
going and joining the Green Bay Packers on their sort of like club team, so to speak, and then getting fired from the Green Bay Packers because he couldn't stop exposing himself to women. Going to college, dropping out of college, um, going to jail, getting out of jail, assaulting a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Kind of leads yeah, to where we are today. Like got some actual real jail time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we ended with him deciding to hook up with his ex-con friend that he met in prison. Mm-hmm. Right, because <clears throat> he ran out of bars that he could work yeah, at. Yeah, he kind of burned a, a, a bunch of bridges in Portland area. So, Okay. Great. So, as I just said, Randy's now hooked up with his former prison inmate, Tony Neary. And they decided to start robbing some places together. So in Vancouver, they robbed the Fawcett, the Fawcett Tavern and a Safeway. Tony told Randy that all he needed for a disguise was to put a piece of athletic tape on the bridge of his nose. And so that's what Randy started to do, just a piece of that white athletic tape. Randy sometimes would also wear a fake beard as well. So while robbing places together, Tony would use a real gun, a 357 Magnum, while Randy would use a fake gun. Not sure why but that's how it went at first. Randy provided the getaway car, and Courtney, it was like the same car that Ted Bundy had. It was a champagne-colored gold bug. Um, I know that it was a real popular car back then, but still, it's kind of ironic. It is. So after a short while, Randy decided he would try his luck south of Portland, and he moved down to Eugene, Oregon, to the area. Um, He was now 30 years old, and he robbed one more gas station in Vancouver on December 9th before heading to Eugene. So Rob conti- or, sorry, Randy continued to rob places when he pulled into the Eugene area. On December 13th, he robbed an ice cream parlor. He then drove north to Albany and ro- robbed a drop- drive-in restaurant. Further north, he drove to Seattle, and on December 21st, he actually forced a waitress at gunpoint to fillet him. So we can kind of see this pattern of him going up and down I-5 robbing places. Yep, exactly. And sometimes he just robs them, and then sometimes he goes a little further and performs rape. Right, that's becoming his new M.O. Yep. So now he's back in Eugene, and it's December 30th. It's 1980. And Randy went to the local disco in town. It was called O'Callahan's. And I looked up this place because it wasn't familiar to me, and it turns out that O'Callahan's closed in 1990. It's now Cafe 440 on Coburg Road. Oh, I know where that is. Totally, yeah. They've got good food. Um, So there he met Shelly Johnson, who was home in Eugene for the winter break. She was attending college in New Mexico. Uh, Randy approached Shelly at the O'Callahan's, and they started talking and I guess Shelly was just taken with Randy right away. He had, you know, his charm and his good looks. He was eight years older, um, but she said he looked, you know, a lot younger than that. The two talked and danced all night and eventually went to Randy's hotel room that he had rented while he was looking for housing. And he asked to go slow, only wanting oral sex. Shelly complied, thinking, oh, what a gentleman. But she didn't know that oral sex was really all Randy ever wanted from a woman. So there you go. She had to go back to school three days later, and she felt that she was in love. Randy was able to rent a room from a divorcee in Springfield, which is just east of Eugene. And Shelly went home as scheduled, but she wrote many letters to Randy. She was declaring her feelings and all this lovesick stuff. She even told him she was going to get into a fitness program so she could be a match physically for Randy. 
in the book, it said that she didn't feel like she was good enough, like human specimen looking for Randy. Right. Cause he was literally a professional athlete. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And then with prison, um, muscle as well. Exactly. Probably a really buff dude. So Randy, of course, reciprocated with his own cards and letters declaring his affections. Shelly came back for a short visit in January, and the two lovebirds, after you know, after knowing each other for a month, got engaged. This poor girl. So Courtney, it looks like Randy finally found someone who was enamored with him. Now, from what we know of Randy, do you think this acceptance from a female will help him overcome his sexual problems? Do you have any other thoughts on this relationship? So Randy was pretty obsessed with kind of proving his, quote, manhood to women and was desperate for their attention, but ultimately was only capable of having really shallow relationships with them. We kind of talked about that a little bit last time when we talked about the histrionic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while Shelley's interest and their, you know, whirlwind romance likely fed his ego and soothed his needs temporarily, I don't think that their relationship ultimately would have led to any long-term changes for him. Um, you know, we know that all the time that he was engaged to Shelley, he was actively pursuing other women in person, as well as calling and sending letters to them, um, all those women from his little, like, black book. And mm-hmm. really, I feel sorry for Shelley that she fell so hard for this guy, you know, when really their relationship wasn't even real, at least not the way that she believed it to be, as we'll see. So you did go over histrionic personality disorder last time. Are you... Um, saying that it's difficult for someone with histrionic personality disorder to actually find a stable relationship that's satisfying? Um, I'd say it probably, if uh, we think about one of the main kind of parts of histrionic personality is that sort of their conversations um, and things are very shallow. Like they don't have a lot to back up their thoughts or opinions, although Mm -hmm. they will like state them very loudly. Um, And they are so frequently kind of having relationships where they tend to like jump in really fast and it's like, I love you's right up front. And then it sort of fizzles out because every person they meet is like Mm -hmm. the one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that doesn't really um, provide a good chance to have like a long-term stable relationship, especially when you add in the need to be the center of attention all the time. So it sounds like it would be really difficult to really get to know someone who has histrionic personality disorder because they don't have that level of emotion that they either can access or they just don't have that level of emotion. I think it's more that they can't really access it. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, Well, apparently Shelly's formally stellar grades, I guess she was a 4.0 student, they began to fall once she started this relationship with Randy. She was seemingly obsessed with Randy. They spoke every day at least once. They wrote many letters to each other promising their undying love, undying love, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Randy even sent her 12 yellow roses on Valentine's Day. And she was so excited. He was her handsome white knight who came to show her what true love was. Poor thing. I guess Randy sent many other women roses on Valentine's Day as well. They were all accompanied by a personal message of devotion. So I guess this guy just can't deal with one gal, like you just said. Probably wouldn't happen. He needs to conquer as many as he can. 
prove his self-worth to several women, et cetera. Um, you know, at first when I, because the book kind of goes out of order a bit about what's going on, I was like, how can he afford all these roses for all these women? But he was robbing a lot of people while all this was happening. Yes, he was. <laughs> so there you go. That's how we could do that. Um, so uh, Randy had been busy while Shelly was away. He was now known as the I-5 bandit by law enforcement, who agreed that the robberies had to be connected to each other. On January 8th, he was in Vancouver again, and he robbed the same gas station as he had previously. But this time, he made the attendant expose herself to him. On January 11th, he was in Eugene again, where he robbed a small market. Okay, so it gets a little murky on all the places he hit, so I'll just say a few. On January 12th, 1981, Randy shot but did not kill a clerk in a market in Sutherland, Oregon. And that's like a tiny town on the like on I-5. You can see it because it has that one mushroom shop with the giant joint on top. Uh-huh. <laughs> Welcome to Oregon. Uh, January 14th, a man, most likely Randy, or at least someone matching the description of the I-5 bandit, broke into a house that had two sisters in it. They were 8 and 10 years old. The man assaulted the two young girls, forcing the elder to fillet him. On January 18th, two men were, sorry, two women were cleaning an office in Salem, Oregon, when they were attacked by a man who again resembled, uh, resembled the I-5 bandit. He forced both women at gunpoint to satisfy him sexually. He then shot both of them in the head at least twice. One of them was dead on arrival, but the other, uh, she pretended to be dead until the man left and she was able to call 911, and um, they were able to rescue her. But Sherry Hull, her friend and co-worker, was killed at the scene. Beth Wilmot did survive. It was in the hospital where she was recovering from a gunshot wound to the head that a physician at Salem Hospital told her that she also now had herpes. Good old Randy. The gift that keeps on getting. <laughs> no, he's just... Yeah, there's like a theme throughout that whole... I mean... Ugh. So, Courtney, these crimes are suspected to be done by Randall Woodfield at this point. I mean, by the I-5 bandit killer. Um, do you have any thoughts as to why he attempted to kill and then did kill one of these women after they had done what he had asked sexually? The other murders linked to him seemed to be more out of revenge, but this seemed unnecessary. He got what he wanted. I think as we've seen with um, and talked about with other serial killers, Randy is starting to escalate in his you know need to control um, and need for sexual gratification. So, you know, he started way back as a teen with exposing himself to women. And when that was no longer enough, he moved on to robbery and sexual assault. And then during this spree of his, he escalated really quickly to now adding murder to his routine. Um, you know, there's no greater power over another human than holding their life in your hands. And for Randy, this would ultimately prove to be you know, intoxicating and to finally relieve that pressure he felt to take back his power over women that, you know, from an from a young age, he expressed like feeling dominated and controlled by the women in his life. Mm -hmm. And so in this way, he had ultimate control. And that just always seems to be what it comes down to is dominating someone else. I mean, most of the serial killers also get off sexually, but not all of them. Right. It's like mm -hmm. just that control. Well, to finish out January, Randy traveled back down to Eugene, robbed a business there, then went to Grants Pass, robbed a donut shop, then finished in Medford, Oregon, robbing another business. February was another busy month for Randy. In Redding, California, 12-year-old Kristen Jarvis came home around 9 p.m. after going to a friend's house to find a horrific scene. 
She walked into her mother's room and found her mother and her 14-year-old sister dead side by side in mom's bed. Her mother had her nightgown down, exposing her breasts, and her ankles were bound with white surgical tape, the same type of tape that covered her mouth. Her sister was completely nude, and her face was smeared in blood. Both mother and daughter had been shot in the head, and the young girl had been sodomized. That same day, a clerk at a store had been kidnapped, sodomized, and raped after being robbed in Reading. This also happened in Wairika the same day. So, Courtney, I'm getting a Ted Bundy vibe again here. Remember when he went crazy in Florida, like killing one after another after another and or trying to in any case? Like he couldn't get enough fast enough. What are your thoughts? I think it is accurate to describe Brandy's crimes in January and February as a spree, you know, similar to Ted's final weeks in Florida. It's kind of like once he crossed that line of killing, it became like a new obsession almost and, you know, an experience that he needed to chase again and again, just like if it was a drug. Um, You know, and he was already pretty impulsive and not very careful about disguising his appearance. I mean, like a hat, a bandaid on his nose and an obviously fake beard, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was all from the beginning, but. Now he was moving even faster and less carefully, really seeking that instant gratification anytime he could. And, you know, he did um, molest two little girls. So, I mean, I'm, I don't know if we throw that term pedophilia on him now, but because there, there was like eight and ten, mm-hmm. the, those uh, sisters. Um, anyways. Yeah. I don't know that I would throw pedophilia on there. Um, it was only the the older daughter in that little one, I believe. No, the the one the the sorry the the, case. T- the eight and the ten year old, right? Yeah, I think it was only the ten year old who was forced to do something. I don't. I it's still I might be remembering wrong, but um, I think it's more. I believe reading in the book as well that Randy said that he would have much rather been like their mom or something, mm-hmm. but like they were just the ones that happened to be there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. <laughs> I mean, it's still disgusting it's still and terrible. still a 10-year-old, but yeah, either way. But anyhow, um, over the next several days, Randy hit many towns, robbed many places, and assaulted many more women. He even hit another three shops in one day in Washington. So he's insatiable, it seems, at this point. So, okay, remember Julie, who we talked about before last episode, that young gal that was sort of like fancied herself in love with him, but he was dating another woman? Right, and so she, like, dumped him when she found out. Like, threw a fit in the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she was found dead in her home on February 15th. So the day after he sent all those flowers to all those women for Valentine's Day, who knows, Julie might have been one of them. But, well, at least now we know where he got the money. As I said, all those robberies. Um, poor Julie. She was shot in the head. The death of Julie pointed investigators into the direction of Randy. So, because her friends knew that she knew Randy. Was It came up when they were investigating um, Julie. So another one of his acquaintances is murdered. So that's just too much of a coincidence at this point. He's known at least three of the people who have been murdered in the past few months. So by this time, the I-5 bandit is now known as the I-5 killer. He still manages to rob three more places along the corridor in February, and in one of those instances, after he robs and molests the victims, he puts them into the walk-in freezer. 
So Courtney, I've worked in the industry, uh, restaurant industry for over 20 years, and the walk-in freezer has always scared the shit out of me. Literally when I have to go in to get dough or something out of it, like I'm scooting in and out of there as fast as I can. I am so scared that that door is going to close in on me and like lock me in. And the newer ones new have bu- now have buttons that you can press inside to call the police because this happens, um, I think, more often than we think. Right. I mean, it's a natural thing if you're robbing a restaurant to throw them in the freezer and lock them in. Yeah. I just wish they would. I, I would prefer to be put in the, the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> then at least, you know, you're not going to catch hypothermia so yeah. fast. Uh, it's, and it's so dark in there. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Well, Randy was picked up for questioning on March 3rd, and this led to a search of his home a few days later and then a subsequent arrest. By March 16th, several indictments from all over were rolling in. He had hit so many places that jurisdiction was tough at this point to figure out. However, Oregon, specifically Marion County, was the first to get their turn. So they must have filed their paperwork first. Um, He was charged with murder, attempted murder, and two counts of sodomy. He was convicted on all counts. I think it took the the, um, jury like three and a half hours or something. It was something very short. I think you're right. Yeah. These convictions came with a sentence of life plus 90 years. And then another 35 years was added when he was convicted of other crimes in, in Oregon. So Randy was linked to at least 18 murders and suspected to have been involved in 40. However, the state of Oregon couldn't afford to go to trial for all of these counts of murder. Uh, he would have pled not guilty. He was still saying he was not guilty for all of these things. The DA or whoever, you know, the powers that be decided they were satisfied with the fact that he would never get out of prison. So they did not push for further charges to be filed. It was just too expensive. Since his conviction, DNA has linked him to other murders. But again, the state is not pushing for more convictions. Courtney, what do you think about this decision by the state? You know, while I feel for the families of the victims that, you know, didn't get their day in court... I can understand why the decision was made to stop after those first convictions. You know, he was already going to spend the rest of his life in prison. So additional convictions wouldn't really make a decision on the ultimate outcome. Sorry, my dog. And, you know, as you mentioned, trials and investigations are very expensive. I mean, this had been a whole, like, statewide task force Mm -hmm. that they'd spend millions of dollars investigating. Um, you know, and if I was a prosecutor, I wouldn't want to spend any more money or give any more attention to this guy than necessary. We didn't really get into the fact mm-hmm. that all of these um, places were working together. Uh, precincts and, and, and jurisdictions in Washington were working with people in Oregon, were working with people in California. They were having summits. They were doing – they, like, realized this was the same guy. This guy was hitting up and down. Um, and it was kind of neat seeing that collaboration – um, right. Sometimes you, you, you get the other way where people are fighting over who gets what, mm-hmm. but, uh, these ones actually work together on it. So that's kind of neat. It is neat. Yeah. So, yeah. One second. Well, I, all right. So Courtney, that is not the end of this tale. It sure is not. <laughs> Cause you know, Randy just as with his herpes, he just keeps on giving. He just needs attention so much. Yes. Um, so I don't know if if you guys all out there know this, but another very infamous killer in Oregon is Diane Downs. Yes. Um, So 
she was the lady who killed her daughter and attempted to kill her other children um, because she thought that her ex-boyfriend would take her back if she no longer had children because he said he no, he didn't want children. Yes. So she took them out um, in Marcola, which is, is Springfield area, shot them in her car, drove them to Mackenzie Willamette Hospital, pretended that someone else had come up to the car and shot them. And um, she'd shot herself like in the arm. Yeah, or she did. She right? tried to make it look real. Yeah. Um, and like I said, one of them didn't survive. Two of them dead. One of them is paralyzed. Um, anyhow, this she uh, just was arrested at this time that Randy was now in prison. So hold on here. Let me get back. So Randy decided he'd like to get to know Diane better. And he started writing her letters in jail. He was writing from his jail to her in her jail. Um, yeah, both of them in like the state prison in Salem. Well, I th- but on like yeah, on the, well, I, the women's side and one on the men's. Yeah, side. at one point she's in Lane County, but she gets put up there. But mm-hmm. um, he didn't tell her who he was. He would just sign his letters squirrely. So she didn't realize it was Randy sending her letters. But eventually she learned who he was, and their letter romance escalated. She was a woman who would do near, nearly anything, including killing her children for a man. Um, and she was currently six months pres- uh, pregnant in jail. Uh, anyways. And here was a man who wanted nothing more than a woman to be infatuated with him. Or probably like all women to be infatuated with him. And I forgot to mention that poor Shelly. Remember Shelly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she eventually had to face facts that Randy was a piece of shit. And she did, you know, end that relationship. So good on her. Wasn't it like she was literally driving up? from New Mexico to move in with Randy when he got arrested. And when she got here, she learned that he had been arrested like the day before. I think so. Um, Poor Shelly. Yeah. I, I honestly would have to go back and read that part because mm-hmm. I kind of uh, wasn't paying attention to her once this Diane Downs thing. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, so Randy had not lost his exhibition and exhibitionism side in prison. Um, in fact, the female guards said that when he knew they would be walking by, he would take off all his clothes and he'd pose naked in his cell for them. So he was similar in his letters to Diane. He sent her photos of himself and the letters said things such as, I will be stroking Junior to your photo at exactly midnight on Saturday night, Diane. So say hi and tell me you enjoy our time together. Will you remember to touch your body for me and say my name? Just a game to play together because I feel you close to me and to climax my juices in memory of our togetherness like this. You brighten my life, dear friend. So thank you and join me Saturday night if you want. I will be there for you. Totally in thoughts of you. Ugh. Yep. <laughs> they wrote to each other almost every day through the summer of 1984. He from his prison, her from hers. Diane wrote to other men. And so did Randy. I mean, they kind of seem to be cut from the same cloth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she was also apparently good looking. I mean, I, I don't think so, but, you know. For being 1980? I guess. Yeah, that's that hair. Um, they were total players, even from inside of the cell. They would describe their genitals to each other and basically have weird letter prison sex during this time. Eventually, Diane accepted one of his many proposals of marriage and was planning her wedding. From the inside. So by now, she had been convicted of her, of her crimes. Um, here is one of his letters to Diane about the wedding. Say, Di, would your parents think about coming to your wedding? Just curious. We can have 10 people in our party. Then we have an hour for the party to have pictures and be merry. 
Then guests have to leave with my counselor and yours and come back if they are on the registered visiting list. So some Thursday we can marry at the far end for privacy. The waiting list is three to four months now, but we get to visit one uh, one behind in, but we get to visit one behind to talk it over some Tuesday at OWCC. And you'll be surprised what kind of fun and games we'll be able to have and enjoy. Just be open and follow my lead. We'll have some very close and private visits one day. He also wrote to her about color schemes and other wedding details. I had no clue that you could have this done in prison, let alone between two, inma- two inmates. Did you, Courtney? Um, so I did know that like inmates were allowed to get married and marry each other um, and have essentially wedding ceremonies. Um, but I did a little bit of research about what is allowed in Oregon related to prison weddings. Um, and, you know, the rules may have been different back in the 1980s, but at least modern day rules, you know, there's no special decorations or special food allowed. This all takes place in the main visiting <clears throat> visiting room where everyone else is having their family visits. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not allowed special clothing, so like no wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And conjugal visits are not allowed in Oregon. So either he's full of shit or it was different back then. My guess is maybe a little of both. Yeah. Um, Although, I mean, the story about Diane Downs is crazy. I mean, she, I think, basically, I mean, the way that that it was insinuated was that she slept with guards and she escaped. Like That's right. She did have that escape. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe if they give favors to people, they would get, I I don't know. But there's just this picturesque wedding that they're trying to plan. Mm Mm-hmm. So now at this time, Diane was doing many interviews with the press, and during one of the interviews, she told the reporter about her and Randy's wedding plans. She was very excited to tell people that they were in love. Well, Randy, in an act to prove that women are beneath him, once again, denied everything. He claimed that he had no idea where she had gotten the idea he wanted to marry her. She must be a very confused and sad individual to concoct such a scenario as that. He felt sorry for her. This is what he told the papers. It was totally to humiliate her. This was to get back at all women. He had planned this whole thing with her just to, like, jilt her publicly. He did indeed hold all-day press conferences to embarrass Diane. And normally I'd feel bad for someone going through this, but you just can't feel bad for Diane Downs. Courtney? I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for Diane Downs, but just as a woman, I do have some compassion about having your heart broken in such a public and humiliating way. Um, You know, and as for Randy's actions, I think his behavior towards Diane just goes to show that he knew exactly what he he was doing the whole time. And all of his previous claims about like wanting to get treatment to get better were total BS. Yeah. He was a player through and through. I mean, not just with women, but the whole thing was a game to him. I wouldn't be surprised if he is still sending nude pictures of himself to unsuspecting women. Mm. Well, he's 71 now, I but you know what? He still could <laughs> Somebody's the new 50, right? Um, well, apparently Randall Woodfield has gone through with marriage three times in prison, divorced twice. So I guess that last one must have stuck. Um, he's 71 years old and is still incarcerated in the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem, Oregon. So that's what we have on Randy. Yeah. Crazy ride. Um I mean, highs and lows. Yeah. He had a good childhood, sounds like. Small Mm -hmm. town, caring parents, did okay in school. Was pretty popular. Pretty popular, good looking. Successful in sports. 
went to uh, as far as get onto the Green Bay Packers, um, submitted his um, picture to Playgirl, was kind of accepted, although never accepted. published. Right. But, you know, they didn't just laugh at him. Um, yeah. And then he just threw it all away. He did. And uh, I have read that he has he attempted to sue Anne Rule. Yes, for, he did. Yeah, twelve million dollars for the book, the way that she painted him. Um, you know, he he claims he doesn't have a hundred IQ, which I, I was kind of surprised at that too. So I mean, I know there's. I more mean, a hundred is average. Yeah, it's like directly in the middle of average. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe he just wanted to be like the other serial killers, and most of them had a higher IQ. Yeah, I think that's just his ego. It's probably talking. his ego. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, do you want to say anything else before I talk about our next killer? Um, I don't have anything in particular, but what a wild ride. Yeah, that was an interesting case. Um, he he, technically was only convicted for the one murder. Just right of the um for the murder of, of the girl in the that was cleaning. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That building. So I, I'm not sure if we like were clear on that. Mm-hmm. So, but suspected of up to 40. Right. And there's been DNA since he was yep. convicted that has linked him yep. to, to more. Yeah. Um, so I'm picking our next killer and he's not known. I doubt any of you have heard of him. I don't know. Maybe now there's a lot of true crime people out there. Um, I was just kind of like looking through books trying to figure out who I wanted to do and the clue I will give is that unlike the other killers we have covered he only killed people he knew oh that does make a difference Mm -hmm. so our social media if you like us and you want to tell us we would love it um the subscribes and the you know positive comments are very helpful to help us grow our audience and um, so our social media is at Addicted to M Podcast on Instagram, at Addicted to Murder Podcast on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can email us with any questions or comments or anything like that um, or suggestions of killers because, you know, sometimes I just Google to find something. And, you know, when we did that one from Belgium, he's one of our highest um, downloaded people. Right, yeah. So if there's someone from where you are, if you are not in the U.S. particularly, like, let us know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally be interested to learn about uh, these people. So, anyways, that's addicted to murder podcast at gmail dot com. All right, thank you guys. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Bye.